Welcome, everybody, to Flyover Footy. My name is Matt Baker, and we've got an interesting episode, an interesting week for St. Louis City, calls for an interesting edition of Flyover Footy. I'm joined by Santiago Beltran for what usually is a Flyover Fallout episode, though with no official match in the books for St. Louis City this week, it's more of a mix, a fallout of the first half of an abandoned game. And then we'll pivot to some U.S. Open Cup talk as we have another midweek match this week to start what hopefully will be a rivalry in the making for St. Louis City and the first time we'll play the Chicago Fire in the first of two matches this week in which we'll play the Chicago Fire. But before we get into all that, let's look at how the FC Dallas match went for the first 50 minutes that we played it. The lineup was the 12th different lineup that we ran out in our 12 total games this year. It had a little bit of a similar shape and similar feel to it, but had some historical significance as well. Roman Berkey in net, Johnny Nelson, Tim Parker, Lucas Bartlett, and Jake Nerwinski in our back line. We had a 4-4-2 with a diamond midfield. So in that midfield, it was Miguel Perez, Indiana Vasilev, Tomas Ostrak, and Edu Leuven. And then up front, we had two strikers to complete the 4-4-2, Nico Joachini, and making his first ever MLS start, Celio Pompeu. And Santi... I will say that I was excited to see this 4-4-2. I think it it delivered on what we had talked about before in riding the hot hands of Tomas Olstrak and Celio Pompeu. It was rewarding them for the work that they had put in. It was leveraging the opportune time of Klaus being out and probably leveraging a bit of this three games in eight days that we had to, to need a, a little bit of a change of pace even as we hope to see guys like Klaus and Rasmus Alm return next week, we, we were able to kind of put all of those pieces together and put out a lineup that looked to build upon a strong week of training and looks looked to build upon a team that was hungry to bounce back and prove to people that they can win without Klaus. So I enjoyed seeing that lineup right off the bat. And uh, it, it was interesting to, to me to see how they started versus how it was displayed on the Apple broadcast and on places like FOTMA, because you could see they were throwing Salio out on the left side. They were throwing Edu Leuven in the midfield on the right. It was just kind of all over the place. But as they started, it seemed like they were really running a semblance of a 4-2-2-2 in that diamond where Ostrak and Leuven were a little higher. Vasilev was kind of roaming as an eight, maybe a second pivot. And Miguel Perez with his usual role. And Salio was definitely on that right-hand side. What were your thoughts about this lineup? So to me, it was very exciting to see uh, Salio getting his first start after having a great week in Open Cup. And um, last week in MLS, he scored his first goal when he came in as a sub and when he came in, uh, the team changed and was tied the game and unfortunately um, allowed a, a really quick goal, but he showed very positive things and I think it was deserved for him to get his first start. Then looking at the rest of the lineup, uh, a few surprises, at least right away when I saw the lineup, I was like, wow, um, Kyle Hebert not starting. Mm-hmm. Jerry Stroud not starting, but immediately I thought, oh, this this has to do with with Open Cup. And and the other thing that I think um, had uh, something to do with it, and hopefully uh, I was hoping to ask Bradley Carnell this uh, post game, but obviously since the match was abandoned, didn't have a chance to do that. But uh, Lucas Bartlett in the starting lineup, I think it was one thing um, Open Cup planning, maybe having. Kyle Hewer with fresh legs, but at the same time, also uh, thinking that Lucas Bartlett played for um, Dallas last year, even though he didn't start any games in MLS, he played for Dallas and trained with Dallas. So uh, he had a good understanding of what Dallas is. So uh, kind of makes sense to me. And then um, you see in Ostrak too, um, after it was his first start in a while. So it looked to me like a good lineup and kind of, as you said, uh, right in the hot hands and the guys who uh, did well the previous week, giving them another chance. And with Klaus out, um, the team had to look uh, for different options to uh, while he's out. Maybe he will be back um, on Saturday, but um, this, this game did continue looking at the options uh, since the team doesn't really have a number nine, uh, natural number nine with Klaus out. 
Yeah, and that that uh, I like that point about Lucas Bartlett not just starting because of an open cup consideration because that was my first first thought too is that this is obviously a play towards saving Hebert for Tuesday. Uh, I had talked about the fact that Hebert was the one player we had last year who played the three matches in eight days when we played Louisville in the Open Cup for City 2. And so I kind of had a thought, what if we do that again with him? But knowing that we have a little bit of a, de- a little bit more depth at center back with City than we did at City 2, especially giving Hebert a rest and not just allowing Bartlett to step in, but leveraging that that bit of romanticism about playing your old team that that Bradley Carnell has really shown a penchant for. He's done it with Azeel Jackson, Azeel Jackson against Minnesota. And he's, he's obviously relied upon Johnny Nelson's expertise against Cincinnati. And he had Johnny Nelson in the presser last week because he has as well, a lot of familiarity with Dallas having been drafted by them and played for a few years with them before his back surgery. So there's a lot of, a lot of that uh, history that plays into it. And I thought it was a really good shape and a good look for us. It did its job more or less in the first half where we ended the first half almost uh, even on expected goals. Neither team really had too many attacking bite to them. There was a, there was a chance early that St. Louis had that was pretty good. There was some buildup that we had. And I thought, one of the better ways in which we attacked was from shots at distance. So we did a pretty good job, in my opinion, of taking Eddie Leuven uh, with a playmaking role, moving the ball up through him a little bit. And especially on the right-hand side, I, I saw a lot of promise with Celio and Nico in their build. We had a few opportunities early where Eddie Leuven, Indiana Vasilev had shots from distance. And that's notable to me because Dallas is one of the worst teams in allowing goals outside the 18. And so I, I liked how we were kind of testing the waters early with that. I liked how we gave ourselves vo- voluminous chances. You know, we were putting volume, volume shots on net early. We had nine total shots in the 50 minutes we played. We left uh, limited them to five. Only one of our shots were on target, though, and, and it really didn't have much much strength to it. So you had that uh, that I don't know that consistency in the first half, more or less, where you're you're peppering the ball in the attacking third, you're getting the ball to places where you could try to put shots on, even though they were shots around, more or less. But the big thing that I really noted consistently is an inability to play the ball in transition. I noted one one sequence in particular towards the end of the first half. The ball was played through Nico, it was played through Salio, it was played through Lu, uh, rather Ostrock and then Leuven. And nothing nothing came of it. It was on the right-hand side, it was in the attacking third. The ball was being possessed more or less by St. Louis and that's just not where our expertise lies and that was very <clears throat> emblematic of how we were getting ourselves into trouble in that attacking third. When we were especially on in the channels and on the wings, we didn't really have a, a, a an immediacy to our attack. We didn't have this second nature way in which we were moving the ball into some really dangerous positions. We were getting stuck in the low block that Dallas was throwing at us. And I noticed this with Nico. I noticed this a few times with Salio where they didn't know what to do with the ball because lanes were being closed off so well and so quickly. And we ex- we half expected that Dallas would be doing that, and they did it very, very well in the first half. Yeah, I was. Uh, it was uh, interesting to see how low that block from Dallas was and how much space um, CDSC had towards like midfield and getting to the final third. But with that low block, Dallas didn't really give a lot of chances to to City and that final touch was really missing. I think I remember the play you were talking about on the right side that everybody was involved, but nothing was really happening. Uh, So St. Louis did a great job getting to the final third, but um, it just like that final touch, uh, like at times, like there were a lot of players in the box, but um, there wasn't like an open player to pass it to and um, just a lot of possession, but the chance creation um, wasn't that great last night. 
Yeah, and, and the stats back it up too. St. Louis ended the 50 minutes with a 53% possession. We ended with 231 total passes. And these are numbers that are the flip side of where you want. You know, a, a typical city match will have you success a successful city match rather will have you sit anywhere between 40 and 45% possession with a sub 400 total passes showing that we're moving the ball quickly, directly. There are few passes per sequence because we're efficient in what we're doing, and we obviously don't possess the ball in comparison to the opposition. The total passes were on pace for around 425, 450 passes, far exceeding what we usually do. Uh, We weren't, and it's not necessarily we weren't building quickly because like we said, we got the ball into the attacking third. I thought that piece was going well. So for two thirds of the field, we were kind of doing what we needed to do. It's just, we didn't have that. We didn't have that, whether you call it a hold up play, you didn't have that, those channels and the the cut throughs being done by our, our attacking wide midfielders. There wasn't a creativity that we expected to see with the guys who have been in form in that sense, Ostrak, Pompeu, and Eddie Leuven in those roles and in those positions. And so I was a little bit disappointed and in the, the totality of the first half. And we just really didn't get to see anything going in the second half before it was called. So you didn't really, you assume that adjustments were made. You assume that there was a tactical shift in what we were going to be seeing. It never had time to take hold. And so we didn't, we didn't get to see that piece of it, which is highly unfortunate. And it, you know the other the other piece I think I'll I'll say before we turn the page on Dallas is the injury to Paul Ariola is huge, and so there's two there's two keys that I'll take away from this besides the the inability to finish in the final third and the 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 way our attack wasn't able to take what the two the midfield was able to provide them and finish it. It's the Paul Ariola injury and it's the Tim Parker yellow card. Both of them important at this moment in time because when you have an abandoned game like this, the game's going to pick up from the moment it stopped at some future date. So I believe the game was called at 51 minutes, and that means we will get 39 minutes left to play in whatever game we resume this in. And we're not going to Dallas again, so presumably it will be a midweek game where we have to make a special trip. But the, the keys there are Tim Parker picked up his fifth yellow card, so he has a yellow card accumulation problem. That doesn't go away. That doesn't get put on pause because our match was abandoned. That takes, that takes effect immediately. So Tim Parker is no longer available for the MLS match next week on the 13th against Chicago. And Paul Ariola left the game in the first half due to a groin injury. He, Jesus Jimenez came in for Ariola in the 23rd minute. That's important and significant because according to MLS rules, when this game is picked up and resumed, it will be with the players available at the time in the game. And so you're looking at an FC Dallas lineup who will not have Paul Areola available. But at the same time, you're looking at a St. Louis City side that will not have Klaus. They won't have Joachim Nilsson, depending on when we pick this back up. And we won't have... um, we well, we will have rather uh, Jabulu Blome because he was on the bench for this. Right. So assuming that he's back in, in, he's fit. We'll also have Tim Parker because his yellow card accumulation takes effect against Chicago. He didn't get dismissed from this game, so right. you know their their yellow cards will still be in effect for the game though. So you'll have Parker riding a yellow, Joaquini and Ostrock riding a yellow. All of these things we'll talk about in depth when the match is finally rescheduled. But you know, looking ahead, there's a lot of interesting things to take away uh and alan velasco was on the bench so he'll be available yeah. presumably unless he's sold this summer a lot of things that can play into that but it's just interesting to keep in mind that when this game is resumed it is from the moment that the game stopped and it is with the rosters that the teams had available at the time what do you yeah. think about that rule i i don't like it especially because like players can get sold um mm-hmm. what if uh you have uh the injury bug and a bunch of players that were on that game day roster are unavailable and then you end up with let's say 15 or 16 i i don't know if there are any exceptions for that yeah um but if there aren't any that could be a disadvantage to one of the teams uh, or maybe to both if both of them have the injury bug so I, i i understand it but um at the same time i i don't like it if the if the game is three months from now 
And uh, as as you mentioned, Klaus is back. Uh, maybe Nilsson by then uh, will be playing and be a starter. A starter, and um, a lot of things could change in three months. But kind of get it. But I don't like it. It should be like whoever is available that week, uh, even if they weren't in the game, let them play. But at the same time, could be more advantageous for one of the teams. So kind of fair for for both teams um personally i don't like it but it is what it is um that's um mls uh going back to um just to close uh second half uh obviously you, we didn't see much but in the 50th minute uh and it's too bad that uh, we couldn't catch the replay on on apple tv this morning because <laughs> i wanted to look at that plate again there was a chance created by city right before the game was uh yes. stopped uh with john nelson there was a lot of space on the left side and I would have liked for him to uh, maybe take a chance and try to go on the 1v1 and take a shot. But instead, uh, he crossed it looking for, for Joaquini. Uh, I think at times um, we can, like with Nerwinski and, and with Nelson, sometimes is it will be we will be better off if they try to go with a shot instead of trying to find that next play. Yeah, I, I would like to see, especially against this low block, I would like to see Nelson and Nerwinski get a little more involved in the attack. When we're running a diamond 4-4-2, there's a lot of action going on in the midfield, and there it's, it's difficult to find space out wide unless you have those fullbacks that are pushing forward. And our system is kind of tailor-made for that. I would have liked to see a little more from that. So that that's an interesting note that... I would, I would have liked to see. Maybe maybe that's one of the adjustments that we would have been making to have Johnny Nelson and Jake Nerwinski get a little more involved in the attack and allow Ostrock and Leuven to to collapse more on that midfield. But I guess we'll have to wait a few weeks to find out. Maybe even a right. few months. <laughs> yeah, Anything maybe. else you want to talk about with uh, FC Dallas before we move on? No. Uh, obviously, it's a small sample, but, um, yeah. but um, I would have liked to see like a full game or even if he came out like 60 70 minutes we'll have like to see uh, what Celio could have done uh, playing uh, two halves or part of the second half so it's a still a small sample so uh, I'll be curious to see uh, if he gets another chance um, in open cup or next Saturday if Klaus is not ready yet but um, we'll see yeah, so as we finish this week, uh, match day 11, St. Louis City, I guess, technically has a game in hand now compared to some of the other teams, if you want to call it that. But the way that the standings break out, we're still in second place. Seattle ended up losing today to Sporting Kansas City, which nobody saw coming. I didn't, I didn't have that one on my bingo card. At Seattle, of all things. They came out firing, and you know they almost gave it up at the end with Johnny Russell getting a little bit of time-wasting going on. That makes uh, our game against Kansas City, I feel, in a few weeks, a little less pressure-filled because you know they're not going to look to us for their first win. So we don't have to worry about that narrative. It's just bottom dwellers sporting Kansas City coming to St. Louis now. I, I agree. I have been telling people, like, we need sporting KC to win a game before they yeah. come to St. Louis. Uh, it's a lot of pressure and they're going to like go for it. And you don't want to be the team that stops their winless streak, especially on a derby. So I'm glad they won. Uh, I was surprised it was against Seattle, but um, yeah. I th I, I'm glad that's, that's out of the way. And I think one thing uh, today was their first time with their three DPs uh, starting mm -hmm. in a long time. So they're getting healthier. So uh, I think, um, and they have two more games or one more game before they play St. One Louis. Maybe, yeah, well, just one more game against, uh, I think it's against Houston. But uh, they're getting healthier. Uh, Alan Pulido scored uh, for the first time uh, since 2021. So just... It's not going to be easy. I know we will review that one in more detail uh, next week once we're closer, oh, yeah. but just something to, to keep an eye on. Yeah, that'll be a big one that's looming. It's hard to believe the next two MLS matches are Chicago and Kansas City. It seems kind of surreal to think about it that way. But before we do all of that, we do have another Chicago match to look forward to. So let's turn the page a little bit. And just like we did a couple weeks ago, let's use our fallout show to preview a little bit of the U.S. Open Cup round of 32 against the Chicago Fire this coming Tuesday um, in Chicago at SeatGeek Stadium. 
So looking at the Chicago Fire and where they sit, they were de- demolished, decimated by Nashville SC this weekend in MLS play three to nothing at Jodas Park in Nashville. And the Fire have been playing like the Fire lately. They haven't been... They haven't been impressive in league play. They, they're, you know, we'll, we'll go deeper in their MLS form and what the, what their MLS implications are in a few days on our big flyover footy show for the Big Five Fifty KTRS. But looking at their last few games, I think is important because the last time they won was against the Chicago House, Chicago House AC, I think they were um, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Open Cup. So they, they've been on a bit of a losing streak, and I think that. Their form and their lineup against Nashville is a little bit of a hint as to what we're going to see. So besides the Nashville loss, they tied New York, they lost to Atlanta, they they tied Philadelphia, and I said they've they've beaten the Chicago House three to nothing in the U.S. Open Cup. That's how they moved on to face us is by beating Chicago House in that Chicago Derby. The lineup that they ran against the Chicago House though is interesting because it contained about five or six players whose at the time, had never started an MLS match, or at least this year for Chicago. But looking at their lineup that they threw out against Nashville this past week, they had about six guys go the full 90, including Shakiri, one of their designated players. But a few of those other guys were looking at Aceves, Burks, Dean, Navarro, and Olmsberg all started their last match against Chicago House. And so you think about what City did against Union Omaha starting a more or less completely different 11 and having full rotation. The Chicago Fire did sort of that against Chicago House, but the writing is on the wall that we're going to see a much more powerhouse-filled Chicago Fire team, as much power as they can muster in their current form. Casper Shabilko started that game against Chicago House. They didn't start Kai Kamara, who is their leading goal scorer this year. So looking at the fact that we might see Kai Kamara this Tuesday and knowing that the gap between this past weekend and Tuesday is, is so much smaller than the gap between Tuesday and next Saturday. I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple different versions of the Chicago Fire because I guarantee they're going to see a couple different versions of St. Louis City. And when you're playing a team back-to-back in multiple competitions, you almost need to have that different look because if you don't have a different look, different personnel going, you're going to give away your secrets and allow yourself to be (laughs) game-planned for a lot better. Now, the Chicago Fire are in a bit of a pickle here because their MLS season is quickly... um, fading away more or less. They are second to last in the East. Their playoff hopes are already dwindling if they're not gone already. And so this may be one of those trap games where you're seeing a team that is struggling in their league play. And just like we talk about the lower league teams, this is their time to shine. This is where they're going to want to prove themselves. Chicago Fire have a vast history in the U.S. Open Cup, and they very well could be using this as an opportunity to get silverware when they know they really don't have an opportunity in MLS. And League's Cup is another chance, but nobody knows really what's going to happen with that or the way that's going to unfold. This is very, it's not quite a trap game. I don't want to call it that as much because we I fully expect them to they're an MLS side. I fully expect them to come out swinging as an MLS side. And and we'll talk about our lineup here, but what do you think about this Chicago Fire team that we're probably going to go up against? So the fact that yesterday they played some of the guys that had not had much playing time and some of them play 90 minutes, uh, it tells me that some of their regular guys will be playing on Tuesday. But again, as you said, uh, probably a mix. You don't want to show all your secrets for Saturday. But um, the fact that some of these guys play on Saturday that don't play much, just tell me they, they are taking the cup seriously. And, and St. Louis is going to see a good amount of the regular players. And um, just since they are not doing that well in the league, um, this is their chance to uh, continue advancing in, in Open Cup. But I think they're taking it seriously. And um, maybe they have a different look. Uh, some players that are not regular starters don't give away too much uh, thinking about Saturday for MLS. But um, they're going to be competitive and they're going to they're gonna want to um, spoil the party for, for St. Louis. 
and we have seen that Chicago Fire has been promoting uh, these games against St. Louis. So, um, so yeah, I think they are taking it seriously, and we're going to see a competitive game on on Tuesday against the Fire. That's I think that's another piece that's fun to look at, and it's the social media marketing of this from Chicago's side. You have the in my opinion, cringeworthy videos that have been released touting some of the some of the better parts of Chicago, so to speak. You have the the Chicago greater than St. Louis brand or symbol that they've been using. So the opportunity for the fire to try and ignite their fan base to be a little on the nose there with that one, I think is right in front of us. Knowing the history that St. Louis and Chicago have in Every single sport, it was attempted to be highlighted by the fire in in some of their matchup histories in all the sports. We know the history that we have with Chicago in hockey, baseball, even basketball and football at times. But this really is our first opportunity to to reignite that rivalry in soccer. We have played them recently from St. Louis FC's side with a one and one record, I believe, in the U.S. Yep. Open Cup. So there's, you could, I kind of like to think of this as more of the, of the rubber match as opposed to the first introduction when you're talking about city pride and the rivalry between the cities. Although it's a different look for St. Louis, obviously, it's a different look for Chicago. This is a different Chicago Fire team than came to play the, the St. Louis FC side a few years ago. And I like that they're taking it seriously. And I know that St. Louis City is taking it seriously because, as you mentioned, we're taking Kyle Hebert, one of our best center backs, one of the best center backs in MLS, let's be honest, and we're saving him for the back-to-back Chicago games. And and the other, from a St. Louis personnel side that's fascinating, is Tim Parker. We mentioned that he received a yellow card, his fifth. He's out against the fire in the MLS game next weekend. So with Tim Parker going 51 minutes against FC Dallas and having a midweek match as the last time he'll be able to play for about 11, 12 days, I think we see Tim Parker come in and slide in right alongside Kyle Hebert in the center back role against Fire this Tuesday. What do you think? Uh, That's a tough one. Um, Because, yeah, obviously this suspension changes things. But um, I don't know. Maybe he will play second half, so so he can continue getting minutes. But uh, I had um, in my lineup, uh, I had uh, Joe Jarrow pairing with uh, Kyle Hibbert. Hmm. See, that's the one uh, mistake I made. We're, since we're recording this a little differently, I mentioned this is a whole different type of show for us. We're going to be doing a little bit of a post-show one-on-one after training uh, on Monday before we get this out to everybody. So we're recording this a little earlier than we usually do. I personally haven't put together a a projected lineup. I will by the time we finish recording here in a couple minutes. But I I think that it's going to be a tricky situation to to make sure you get minutes for the guys you want to, but you're competitive in the way that you need to be. Because the U.S. Open... Bradley Carnell has spoken so often about knowing the importance of the U.S. Open Cup to St. Louis. This is his first, and you only get one first opportunity. So this is the first opportunity for St. Louis City as a first team to be introduced to the U.S. Open Cup and to introduce the new thousands of fans that St. Louis City has, new and old, to the U.S. Open Cup. And we we talked in the past about how we didn't think it was getting the recognition by some of the fan base, the awareness by the fan base of what this tournament means. And so we we know how competitive that second 11 or the the alternates to our our first stringers were against union omaha but against chicago fire an mls side who we're seeing writing on the wall of what they're doing whole different scenario and you still have some injury concerns to play with you still have rasmus alm as an injury concern you still have joe klaus with an injury concern you haven't had jabulu blome get minutes yet he he never entered the game so what do you do with him do you leverage him as a second half sub because he still has to be on one of those minutes restrictions he hasn't worked his way back up yet so when you're thinking about some of these depth pieces you have some obvious ones selmer pedro seems to be an obvious one bringing in akil watts seems to be an obvious one 
none of the midfield, Miguel Perez, Indiana Vasilev, Edu Leuven, played more than 51 minutes. So they're all candidates, in my opinion. We know that the plan in the, in the last US Open Cup round had Akil Watts and Indiana Vasilev kind of flip-flopping 45-minute roles in order to prepare them for the Open Cup. And this wasn't too much different than a 45-minute shift this past weekend. So you could see easily that Indiana Vasilev and um, Miguel Perez could see significant minutes. I would expect to see Akil Watts. You have your left mid alternate, so to speak, of Isak Jensen. There, there's AZL Jackson who didn't appear. There's lots of options in various areas, and, and we'll we'll throw our name to our prediction soon. But I think the Tim Parker thing to me is a bit of a blessing in disguise. And the the tactical foul that he had in the moment, people were kind of going back and forth on whether it was good or not. <laughs> it was an open field foul. Yeah. There, he wasn't the last man back by a long shot, but it was one of the few moments that FC Dallas had a transition opportunity. So I'm not going to fault him for that. And if Tim Parker says it was a good spot to make a foul, then I'm not going to argue with that. And I think Tim Parker wouldn't have put himself out there knowing he's on a suspension watch if he didn't think it was a good technical foul. Yeah, and it's always, uh, obviously, at the end, when you see a replay or the next day, you can say, oh, yeah, that wasn't necessary. But you have to think it's real, real time situation and it's a fraction of seconds. And I'm sure he he thought that it was a necessary foul at the moment. But um, the fact that the match was suspended, yeah, I think that opens a lot of possibilities for the guys who were in the starting lineup to play either a half or 60 minutes. So I think that will come into into play too. So we'll probably see a mix of guys who started on Saturday and a mix of guys that started in the Open Cup game against Union, Union Omaha. But yeah, that opens a lot of possibilities and you can either do like half and half similar to what you did with uh, with uh, Watts and uh, Basilev um, last week. Um, so yeah, I think we'll see, not last week, uh, in, in Open Cup and the game after. But but yeah, we'll see, we'll see some of that. Yeah, so before we get into our predictions for our lineups, let me go through a couple things to watch out for for the fire. So we've talked a lot about St. Louis City style being a high press being that swarming style where we try to create high turnovers. We try to make the opponent uncomfortable and we're always kind of keeping, keeping the the match and the ball in our attacking third or in midfield. The Chicago fire are more or less the same type of a team. When you look at the uh, direct speed and the passes per sequence that we like to follow, they're right up in there in that quadrant with us. They are the second most the second most direct team as far as speed moving up the field to st louis city they just passed new york red bulls in that they are top five lowest passes per sequence so they're not going to try to possess the ball a whole lot they're not going to try to keep the ball in their third in fact one of the strengths if you look at the chicago fires team are stealing the ball from the opposition and their styles of play are long balls crosses and controlling the game in the opposition half they're very aggressive they'll they'll press into us a whole lot. Um, but at the same time, they're not great at set pieces. They, they are, they're pretty bad with their physicality in dangerous areas. They're not great at defending skillful players. So if Edu Leuven sees time, uh, and Aziel Jackson especially, I think there are very uh, good opportunities to go 1v1 and control the ball in our attacking third. And they're, they're not really great with avoiding individual errors. They turn the ball over a lot. They, they make some kind of silly fouls from time to time. So there's an opportunity to be more clinical and take advantage of some of their mistakes with our counterattacks and with our second chances. St. Louis, we know, likes to take a lot of shots. We're good with long walls as well, and we do like to cross. So there are very similar styles of play in uh, in action that we're going to see. And I think this first match in particular against the Chicago Fire is going to be that feeling out match because you you have your styles that you bring in, but at the same time, when, when we come to next week's or later this week's show, when we talk about the MLS side, in reviewing the team that we just played to preview that same team, it's going to be more about what adjustments can you make and what do you know about the team? How did they beat you before and how, how can you make sure that you don't let that happen again, but you're not giving away all your secrets. You're still being more 
uh, creative and allowing yourself to to not have shown all your cards in one match. So it'll be interesting to me to see if we get a more conservative approach from either team just in that concept of you're going to be playing again in five days or is it all the cards are on the table, we're winning this at all costs because it's US Open Cup, it's a wholly special different tournament than what we're going to play for on Saturday. There's a lot that goes into that. So Santi, anything about their styles or, or how that might play into it or do you want to jump straight into your, your starting 11 prediction? Well, the the the, the style has been similar. Definitely, you're gonna see um, some tactical kind of um, mind games between the two coaches. But one thing uh, you mentioned, the long balls um, that Chicago is one of their strengths. Uh, that's something to keep an eye on because that's something other teams have been able to do against mm-hmm. against City, and, and I'm sure Chicago has studied that and and knows uh, where they can uh, attack City. So that's something to to keep an eye on. Absolutely. All right, let's wrap this up because after we go through our predictions for our starting 11, we're going to kind of pause a little bit and we'll pick it up after we have had a chance to see some training and talk to Bradley Carnell and understand how wh- how he's viewing this matchup against Chicago, get his takes, and we'll give some feedback on that. Before we shift into that, Santi, do you have a prediction for us for your starting 11? Yes, um, and this this I made before, um, basically before yesterday's game. So I was assuming there was going to be a a full game. So this could change a little bit, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with it. Um, but yeah, there could be some changes. So Ben Lund on goal, Selmir Pedro uh, on the left side, then uh, Josh Jarrow and Kyle Hebert as uh, center backs. Um, then I have uh, Owen O'Malley because he has been training with City, and I think he's gonna get his his chance. He's gonna he's gonna be on the right side. Then uh, midfield, I have um, Perez and Watts, and I think uh, second half we'll probably see Bloom uh, coming for one of those two, probably for Perez, base ba- for Perez basically because he played uh, on Saturday, and maybe he he will play again next Saturday. Then I have Indiana Basilev and Jared Stroud. And I think uh, there is going to be another like 45 minutes uh, for Basilev and then um, Edward Lewin coming in for Basilev. I think they're going to alternate. And then up front, I have Celio. And I have... This is this is one I I was like ah, who should I start? I have Joaquini and Glover doing that forty five minute. Alternate, oh. but I I still I'm still undecided on whether Glover will get the start or Joaquini will get the start. So let's go with Glover getting the start and then Joaquini coming in the second half. My favorite thing is you were so honest about when you put that lineup together. Because I was very honest about having not put together one before the show. And so as I'm (laughs) making quick notes here, one thing I'll say is we are recording this after the City 2 lineup against North Texas came out. And both Caden Glover and Owen O'Malley were in the starting 11 for (sighs) City 2 on Sunday night. Now, I'm not... We, we saw them train last week with City, yeah. so we, we think that they're in the plans for the Open Cup, maybe against the Chicago in, in the MLS match next week. But so that, you know, that might be a, a I don't know how long they're going to play. The game's just now started, so they might sub out early. They might have a 45-45 with somebody so they can start the game. There's a whole lot. I don't know. So you could be very right still with that, even if they sub out early. Um, real quick before we go, I'll say... Ben Lunt in net. I'm going to go with a backline of Pedro, Parker, Hebert, and Watts. I think Watts will get the right back start. And again, because I saw Ona Malley was starting for City too. And then my midfield, I have, I went with Miggy Perez and Indy Vasilev again uh, because the, the game just didn't go long enough to warrant them not playing. I think we'll still have five days rest. Jabulu Blom will still hopefully progress to the point where we can leverage him in the midfield. There might be some scenarios of subbing in and out after 45, but I think um, the rest of it to me is a 4-2-3-1. And the three in the midfield, the attacking midfield, are going to be Zach Jensen, Aziel Jackson, and Jared Stroud. And then I have Celio Pompeo up top. 
So I think I think we keep with that more or less like false four false nines type of a role that Carnell yeah. had against Union Omaha. Thought it worked really well. I think it has a lot of potential with this. And I think in a, a a game where Chicago doesn't have a low or mid block, I think there's an opportunity to move the ball up the field and get creative in our attacking third in transition very well. That I would love to see those four take the take the lead on. But the subs are going to be very interesting to watch given the, the 51 minutes we played this past weekend. So Jabulu Blom would absolutely look for him as a sub. Josh Yarrow, I'd look for him to slot in there, maybe even in a right-back role, moving Akia Watts up to the midfield when either or both of Perez and Vasilev sub out. I do think Edu Leuven, just based on the comments from last time, will we'll see minutes. He has yeah. an even, <laughs> even stronger case in this game because he didn't play the full 90 last week. Right. We have Klaus and Almer not going to play. I don't think there's a reason yeah, to risk them. No. But Nico Jokini is a good shout out that he could find his way in. And I still think Caden Glover and Onomali both find times uh, if we need them in their positions. And if we don't see either of them, Glover or O'Malley, I do think they'll probably see some time or at least be game day rostered against Chicago next weekend. Yeah, that's a good point. So if O'Malley and Glover are out, do you think we could see some uh, loans from City 2? Or considering they are playing right now, which I, I forgot when I was working on my lineup, uh, yeah. maybe not because it's just two days of rest. I would, I would, I'm just going to say no in my guess just because of the short turnaround given the game today. We could. There are some players, but I, the bench, especially for City Two, didn't scream. Oh, this guy's ready for a call up. This guy's ready mm -hmm. to see minutes. I, I don't think our organization is there yet, but you never know. There could be a few players, and like we talked about, it is possible for a City Two player to be called up on a four-day short-term loan. There are a few of those allowed throughout the year, so it's always possible. We'll have to wait to see. Probably tomorrow, I would imagine tomorrow we'd get some news on that being Monday or so probably the day this comes out. All right, Santi, anything else you want to add before we uh, we head out for today? No, no, we'll do uh, something quick tomorrow with our reactions from training and the press conference. Yeah, so thank all right, if you're listening to this, thank you for listening to the Flyover Footies Fallout Show. We'll be back with you in just a couple of minutes or a couple of seconds as you get our feedback after watching training, and we look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks, Matt. here on flyover footy uh post pre-game press conference i guess you can call it where bradley carnell kyle hebert and jared stroud gave us some words in advance of the u.s open cup match that we'll see tuesday night against the chicago fire sante heard some interesting things from carnell about what he's looking to exploit how he's looking to approach the the first of two games what did you hear from bradley carnell that that piqued your interest well, one of the things we talked about was that the Dallas game was only 50 minutes. So he mentioned that, that yeah, there may be some guys that may be able to play. Obviously, they are waiting to see how um, they recuperate from, from Dallas. But uh, we'll probably see some of the guys that started on Saturday. Yeah, the managing loads comment that he made was interesting. And knowing that there's a balance between getting some players who played in the, the first Open Cup match minutes versus having some more availability for some players definitely plays into it. In particular, uh, Tim Parker, I know, has was addressed a couple times. Uh, Kyle Hebert was even asked, kind of had a an interesting looking for Bradley in the room and, and trying to see if what he could say. But he really didn't have any comment, just said, I guess we'll have to see. But I think there's some definitely interesting factors there, knowing Parker's not available next week. Uh, but at the same time, Bradley mentioned guys like Lucas Bartlett and Josh Yarrow were making cases for themselves, kind of chomping at the bit, wanting to play. So there's always that balance that we'll have to see how it works out. But it does sound like we will, we do know that Kyle Hebert and Jared Stroud are going as, as, as sure as we can be from their comments today and their appearances today that they'll be in the lineup. And what do you see that'll benefit us by having at least those two in, um, and especially Jared Stroud, where... He had some interesting comments about being able to play a little more free, I think, when knowing that there's not a yellow card suspension looming. And, and the comment that Jared Stroud made that really piqued my interest is that prior to the FC Dallas game playing against Portland, 
how he, he didn't necessarily hold back, but he wanted to make sure that he was able to play against Dallas. He, he has friends and family, his girlfriends from down there, all these things play into it. So it's not like he was holding anything back, but I don't think there, we saw in your face of the refs, as he said, as much uh, from him in that game. It sounds like he'll be a little more free-flowing. You see that as a benefit for City? Yeah, for sure. He'll be able to uh, be like his usual self, be fired up, be be that vocal player that he usually is and be on the ref's face and be on other players' faces. So uh, that'd be great to see. And, and he said it, that he would be more, more free to, to do that. So not having that pressure, uh, he will unleash um, the Jerry Stroud that he is, you know? Yeah, and from an off-the-field perspective, uh, we didn't expect to have any really news to talk about, but Ezra Hendrickson is no longer the coach of the Chicago Fire. That was brought up a couple times to both Bradley Carnell and uh, Kyle Hebert as far as what their expectations and how they're going to approach that. And it sounds like there's not a whole lot that they're changing up from from what they had game planned for. Uh, the thing that they are changing up really is seeing what Chicago ran out against Nashville last week. And we, we talked about this in the last segment, but knowing that they had, I think I counted six players in their starting lineup that were from the previous Open Cup. And so they, they really ran out a lot of their, you could say, second stringers. Mm-hmm. And Carnell is aware of that. And they, they saw that. They know how they, they alluded to and made some direct comments about how the Fire are taking this seriously, both from their perspective in MLS of having just fired their head coach, second to last in their division, having kind of a, a really poor start to the season, and this is their opportunity. That's kind of been reinforced by Bradley Carnell. Do you see that changing the city lineup, or do you think we're going to mostly stick with how we had been game planning it prior to uh, the firing, prior to the the rain shortened or the weather shortened week? Or do you see a little bit of a mix and match from our approach? I think the the firing of the coach is not going to change anything for the way City will approach it, but maybe the fact that um, the game was rain out on Saturday to make be able to plug in a couple more guys that you weren't planning to. But uh, Carnell has said before that he doesn't specifically plan for players. He plans more for the team and the style of play. So that's why I don't see the changing coach um, changing anything in terms of planning for the game. The other, the other interesting thing that um, Bradley said kind of relates to Klaus. And I don't think we ever expected to see Klaus on Tuesday. But the quote that I had written down from from Carnell regarding Klaus is that uh, he'll be ready end of next week. Now, it was followed up. Does that mean he, he's not going to be available for right. Chicago? And he kind of backtracked a little bit in end of next week, meaning... Next end, match, match day, right? Next, yeah, that's how I took it, too, to okay. where it's not necessarily end of next legitimate week in the right. calendar, but from a week-by-week, match-by-match perspective, he may be available. So he did say, when all was said and done in that question, that Klaus may, may be able to see some minutes or get some action in that game. Um, that that is kind of reinforcing what we thought. We we never expected to see him Tuesday, but maybe Saturday. And knowing that you might have him available could kind of give a little more flexibility. One question we didn't get to ask is the availability of Caden Glover and Ono Malley. But you have to feel that knowing now knowing that they went a few minutes, they didn't go the full game. How do you feel that we might see them knowing Glover went I think fifty some minutes, yeah. fifty six, and then O'Malley went seventy ish? Yeah. So considering the two games in five days uh, I think we will probably see see them at least in the game day roster on Saturday probably not tomorrow because they played on Sunday and mm-hmm. yeah 56 minus for Glover 78 for O'Malley but it's just two days to uh, recover so I think more likely Saturday than tomorrow and I think that's another benefit to 51 minutes last week is that you have guys who you ran out Nico Giochini, Celio Pompeu, Tomas Ostrak who can and will likely see some significant minutes tomorrow, even if it's a second-half adjustment. And and Kyle Hebert addressed one of the big things that the fire is going to run out is Kai Kamara. And he came in as a sub this past week. He only ran, I think, 30 minutes or so. He's likely, in my opinion, to see some action. And knowing that you have a, a as potent of an attack that they have, knowing that you have more options for us, it makes this a little more of an interesting matchup to me knowing the, the priority the fire are placing on this, knowing the history St. Louis has with the Open Cup, and knowing the history between these two cities. Um, I, I, I th- I'm just excited to see all of that come onto the field in this first opportunity for us to play, not even thinking about what's coming next weekend. What do you think about it? 
Yeah, I think uh, Chicago, the fact that the coach uh, was fired, usually teams get a boost from that and they mm -hmm. perform well. Uh, miraculously, I don't know. Like, uh, I have uh, different thoughts about that. We're not going to get into that. But uh, usually they tend to do well the first couple of games. Uh, and the fact that it's St. Louis versus Chicago and that they will probably put um, most of their starters, um, it will be a, an exciting game. And Chicago is going to come for everything. And basically for them, uh, it's uh, a, a game that they want to win. And they want, since they're not doing so well, put priority on the cup. Uh, maybe with the coaching change, um, maybe they will start playing better in MLS also but the fact that the cup is there is a knockout tournament their emphasis will be right now on that yeah and beside the fact that it's uh, just chicago in general bradley carnell mentioned how fortuitous the scheduling is so besides the the weather shortened game this weekend it's a very quick travel and so there's not going to be a lot of changes to the team's routine they're going to be able to have their their evening routine that they usually have the night before they're going to be able to have just a quick jump up to Chicago and not really miss a beat. Um, do you see that as a little bit of a benefit for the team chemistry and the team in general, that they'll have a little more time maybe with their families in the lead up to that, um, that they might not have if they were heading out maybe to the West Coast or something? Yeah, I think that always helps, um, spending the most you can with your family before a game and uh, one more night at home instead of at a hotel, although these guys are used to that, but I think mm -hmm. the fact that to just travel the day of the game, play and come back, I think that that would be helpful for the guys. Anything else you want to add? No, no, that's all we, we have for our flyover fallout show and uh, we don't have much to talk about Dallas, um, so this is your preview of Chicago for tomorrow. Thanks for joining us, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you hopefully after a city win against Chicago in the Open Cup.